This is an RNZ podcast. About halfway through his recent explainer on our Omicron future, Stuff's Keith Lynch details this interesting exchange with one of his interviewees. One of the experts I spoke to for this piece was humble enough to proactively tell me how often they'd been wrong about COVID. That expert is Otago University Professor of Biochemistry, Kurt Krauss, and he's far from alone in having gummed up a few pandemic prognostications. The two-year tsunami of COVID infections has come with a twin wave of takes, many of which have turned out to be wildly off-base. Some of the most inaccurate of those have come from our prominent media commentators. This is former News Talk ZB host Martin Devlin downplaying the severity of the virus in March 2020. I do understand it, but you've got to listen. It's a pandemic now. You've got to listen to those people. I don't believe it's a pandemic. A pandemic killed almost 100 million people at the end of the First World War. That's a pandemic. That wasn't a unique view. Earlier, Nigel Latter had been urging people to calm the hell down about coronavirus and reminding them that the flu kills something like 500 people a year. This vein of commentary has been experiencing a renaissance with the emergence of Omicron. On February 1, NZME's Barry Soper compared the variant to a bad cold. But the common cold isn't lethal, with some rare exceptions, and Omicron is killing more than 2,000 people per day in the US. Former Finance Minister Stephen Joyce went on NZME's Leighton Smith podcast to call elimination a pie-in-the-sky fantasy in April 2020. But... I also suspect that when, I mean, this whole idea that we would get rid of COVID-19 is uh, fairly pie in the sky. Uh, It is with us, it is with the world and it is with us and it will be about how we manage it. Three months later, Kerry McIver blithely said COVID had been circulating in the community undetected. More recently, Newstalk's breakfast host Mike Hosking relayed this forecast on the vaccine rollout. Here's the cold hard reality. If they're going to stick hard and fast to 90%, as much as I'd like to say otherwise, we are not getting there. New Zealand recorded its first zero COVID day about two weeks after Joyce made his comments and had no active cases a month and a half later. Hosking's wall of resistance turned out to be pretty flimsy, with 93% of the 12-plus population now fully vaccinated. It's easy to criticise these predictions with the benefit of hindsight, and professional bloviators are far from the only ones to be caught out. Several prominent experts have offered opinions they probably regret as well. For instance, in January 2020, Director-General of Health Ashley Bloomfield told reporters face masks are not really any protection from the virus. Two months later, Susie Wiles wrote an article reminding people that COVID isn't airborne. In both cases, the science has since moved on and those experts have amended their positions. And that's how it's supposed to work. Science changes as more data emerges and prior assumptions are revised in light of new evidence. But that kind of uncertainty and ambiguity is at odds with a media ecosystem where the most strident takes are rewarded with a flood of algorithmically generated clicks and the most fringe opinions result in an engagement bonanza. Those clicks and that engagement can be lucrative, but they come at a cost to the media's perceived credibility and trustworthiness which recent research has shown is at a low ebb. I asked Kurt Krauss, the expert who made that stark admission of error to Keith Lynch, whether our media commentators could do with following his lead and employing a bit more humility. So, first up, what compelled you to acknowledge the times you've been wrong about the pandemic? I don't know if you call them COVID mistakes or COVID surprises, but we've really been learning as we go. So when we started out, we had uh, a picture of how COVID was going to evolve and how it needed to be treated. 
And I think as often as we got it right, I think, I think we got it wrong. We've learned now treating very severely ill COVID patients is quite different from treating patients early on. We've learned what to do with monoclonal antibodies. We learned uh, what to do with drugs like remdesivir and Paxlovid and molnupiravir. So we have a whole lot more to continue to learn, but we're dramatically better off than we were. This is how science works, right? It evolves and new data comes out and things change, but it's not necessarily how the media works. They will often say something unequivocally and never acknowledge when it turns out to be completely wrong. Do you think that the media commentators need to follow your lead a bit? I think it might be good if we all step back to realize that uh, whether we're right or wrong, none of us are the, are the story, right? The story is COVID-19. And if I end up promoting a certain therapy, which turns out to not be uh, the correct therapy, I need to raise my hand and say, that one didn't work out. Let's move on to another one. So we have to get the ego out of it. It's never about being right or wrong. You must have seen some media takes that are wrong. You know, we've had people talking about COVID's not that severe, elimination is impossible. Uh, in a way, uh, you, you can't really blame these media commentators for making these sorts of decisive calls because the media ecosystem really rewards this sort of certainty. You're exactly right. I mean, it would be awfully boring if people in the media said, well, we're not really sure. We're just going to have to take a wait and see attitude. And I don't know how to handle that. I mean, a lot of science is kind of boring and plotting. And that's the beautiful thing about it is it gets there at the end. I wonder whether this is a relationship that goes both ways as well, because does the fact that the media wants that certainty impact on the type of commentary that scientists give and what they're incentivized to give? Are you incentivized to be more certain than you actually are? I'm an infectious diseases physician, and before COVID, used to go to the international meetings, you know, regularly every year or two attend those. And Tony Fauci was always at those, the head of the AID in the U.S., Tony was like everybody's sort of uh, example of a professional, extremely hardworking, bright, competent, completely trustworthy physician, right? Very data-driven. And gosh, he's been drawn into this huge controversy. His life is threatened on a regular basis. It's completely the antithesis of how he's conducted his, his career. And it's been shocking for me to see this happen or to see the kind of things that have happened to some of the media commentators in New Zealand, that people have attacked them on such a personal way. That's been shocking to me. It makes you pause about what you want to say in public about COVID. Maybe we need a stock take uh, at certain times during events like this to say, okay, here's what we know now. Uh, here's what we thought was right and is wrong now. And here's where we're headed. Maybe we could pledge to do that. What do you think? Well, that's the thing. I mean, regardless of where the incentives lie, just what would your ideal be? Do we need to see a greater level of humility and agnosticism and uncertainty in our media commentary? Yes, 100% to say, here's what we know, here's what we don't know, here's what it will take to find out the answer, and here's how we'll uh, proceed now. Maybe they would, would respond positively to that. That's kind of how science works. Do you think it erodes trust, I guess, in media and possibly even in science if we do present everything as certain and we don't acknowledge when we make mistakes? Yes. But having said that, I honestly think the media in New Zealand has done a good job and I think the commentators have, have done a good job 
uh, maybe modelers, it would be good for modelers. And I think generally modelers do note this, that, you know, this is a model. I'm sharing a model with you guys. It doesn't mean it's going to happen this way. And in fact, it won't happen this way. I, I'd, I'd like to see uh, a little bit more of an acknowledgement up front, you know, the, on the level of certainty with which uh, people are speaking. Maybe, maybe that would be a good thing. I guess it doesn't just go for the scientific commentators because we also have a lot of just media commentators that have given really certain opinions about where the pandemic is heading. And it's hard to say stop doing that when it obviously drives ratings. The biggest concern that I have is the lack of respect for experts, so the erosion of respects for, for experts. You know, if I want to get uh, the plumbing redone in my house, I go to an experienced master plumber who's done it 10 times and I get references saying, yep, this guy's done a good job. You know, I may Google something, but I'm not going to go to a talk radio host to figure out how to do my, my plumbing, right? When you have a key question about how to treat an infectious disease, the feeling is, now oh, don't talk to an infectious disease physician. You need to talk to somebody who's a, a talk radio host. And I don't know how that happened. But also, as you acknowledge, that these experts are going to get things wrong and things are going to evolve. How do you manage that tension? Transparency. You've got to be upfront to say, you know, here's what we know now and here's why we know it. Some calm assessment of things that in, in the media that need to be corrected, that's important. Otherwise, you end up kind of repeating conclusions that somebody else told you about a paper that somebody else read. Yeah, just finally, if I made you sar of the media uh, tomorrow and you could change the way that we cover COVID-19, how, how would that look? What would change? Try to have everything as, as fact-based as possible and have people um, acknowledge the level of uncertainty or certainty with which they're speaking and how reassessment's going to take place. You know, something like, you know, here's what we're going to be doing and here's why we're doing it and here's how we're going to judge if we get it right. And if we don't get it right, we're going we're gonna to change and we're going to make a, make a correction. And don't expect that we're going to get it all right now, but we will get it right over time. And we're just going to do our very best to control this pandemic in, in a way that benefits everybody. Uh, and that it's not about, you know, the, the, whoever is speaking at every given moment. It's about doing the best for, for New Zealand and doing the, doing the best for controlling the pandemic.